Punk's not dead, and neither is New Wave. Join Buzz and Ben on Static Rage, the Punk and New Wave album review podcast. And we are back. We don't get no paid vacations here on the Static Rage Punk and Post-Punk podcast. I'm Benjamin Lindsay, and with me as always is Buzz Will. How are you doing tonight, Buzz? I'm doing pretty good, man. Got to have some uh, group sex and be wild in the streets. <laughs> yes, we will. So as you can tell, if you are a fan of this genre of music, that is the title of the first and second Circle Jerks album. And because the first Circle Jerks album comes in at a swift 15 minutes or so, we decided we'd just go ahead and talk about both of them in one podcast and give you more than you're paying for. And let's just be real about this. Uh, this is, well... They might disagree with me, but to me, the Circle Jerks are one of the better punk bands that are out there. I do agree with you on that, actually. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Um, as I said, Circle Jerks will start with Group Sex, their debut studio album. It was released in October 1st of 1980. Comes in at a whopping 15 minutes and 25 seconds, which is even more impressive when you consider that there are 14 tracks on this bad motherfucker. Um, and the Circle Jerks are Keith Morris on lead vocals, Greg Hetson on guitar, Roger Rogerson on bass, and Lucky Lehrer on drums. And speaking about the fact there's 14 tracks on this album, there's only it's only 15 minutes and five seconds long. Um, I don't remember which episode it was, but one of the earlier podcasts I had mentioned that some punk songs are only about 30 seconds up to about two minutes on average. Um, this band is who I was thinking of when I said that. And the reason I say it is because you got, let's see, one, two, three, four. There's five songs on here that are under a minute long. Um, a couple of them come in right at the 32nd mark. Some get almost to 56 seconds. But the very first song that comes on here to me is the most impressive because it's only 26 seconds long. That's going to be Deny Everything. And I just, that sets the tone of this entire album. Um, man, if <laughs> this is, I wasn't joking when I said this is one of my favorite punk bands, man. Uh, this album especially, um, everything is, this checks off all the marks for me on what I want in my punk music because it's very politically motivated. It is super fucking quick. It's very aggressive. And Keith Morris just has a fucking amazing voice for this, for this genre. So this, this just gets all the check marks to me. Yeah, um, same, dude. Uh, exactly the same. It's fast, aggressive, angry, political, and it has a sense of humor. Uh, what more do you want out of your punk music? And this one gets you out in and out the door so damn quick. You know, and it's really interesting because a lot of this album, or, or not a lot, because there are 14 tracks on it, but a significant amount for the tracks are old Black Flag songs that, for those of you who don't know, Keith Morris was the original singer for Black Flag. And when he got fed up with Greg Ginn's bullshit, which he has told in interviews what happened is that because Black Flag had a reputation of, of violence following them around even then, they often had a hard time finding venues to play. So what Greg and the rest of the guys would do is they would get together and try and practice from seven to 10 every night of the week 
And Keith was like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, there's, there's no reason for us to be doing this. And he said that he always felt it was the three of them against him. And he was just like, fuck it. And he left and took some of the songs he wrote with him. And so there's some of these songs that are on the Circle Jerks album that are in some form on other Black Flag EPs and even on their first album, Damaged, which we will get to eventually. Yeah, um, I always like when bands will do that. It's kind of like when uh, it's much the same vein between uh, Megadeth and Metallica when yeah. Dave Mustaine left. I mean, I don't know that any of the stuff ever got recorded on a on a um, on a uh, Megadeth album, but the first Metallica album on Kill 'Em All, Dave Mustaine's playing guitar on yeah. some of those tracks. So it's like, yeah, he may not be in the band right now, but he's still kind of wrote this and or had some contribution so it's still him on the album um yeah that's something i thought was cool too they actually took a couple songs from it and from his black flag days and said fuck it i'm gonna record it with my new band um i'm actually kind of glad he broke away from black flag because if he had not done that i don't know that we would have had circle jerks and i just god i can't say enough good things about this band man um and and really, the, both of these bands, the, I, I because of that, I think the Circle Jerks and Black Flag are intricately linked in my mind. And, you know, the Circle Jerks, the, the big difference for me, and Buzz may not agree with this, he might have a different take on it, is that they have more of a sense of humor than Black Flag necessarily does. Now, Black Flag does have some jokier songs like TV Party and Six Pack and that kind of thing. But they're also super fucking serious an awful lot of the time. And the, the Circle Jerks are just the dark mirror reflection of Black Flag. I'm going to agree with that, and I'm going to make another analogy. Um, Graves Era of Misfits versus Danzig Era of Misfits. Um, one's the more fun band. The other one is the more serious band. Um, I, 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 I feel like Circle Jerk's a little more energetic than Black Flag. Um, I don't know. I think it, a lot of it has to do with how up-tempo all this stuff is. Um, because I really do enjoy Black Flag a lot, um, but I just I feel like it may just been because Keith was so pissed, he wanted to just kind of get back at you know everyone else in the band. I mean I I don't I'm just throwing this out there as a possibility. I don't know for sure, but I'm wondering if that's where some of the intensity, at least on this first album, comes from because they fucking bring it, dude. The this first album does not slow down at all. No. Um, so everyone knows by now if you've been listening to this podcast. I am a big proponent of pacing. Holy shit. Everything paces so well on this album. No. Um, and I, well, I'll, I'll say that to the end for when we're grading, but I agree with that. And I don't know what the energy was in the room when they were recording this. Cause I can't imagine that it took them very long to do just to be honest, considering how short all the songs are. Um, but yeah, this is high energy all the way through. But I mean, you know, when you got 14 songs and you're coming in at 1525, there's no space for there to be any downtime. And this has just got, again, 
even if there, I don't think there are any bad songs on it, but if there was with the, the longest track on the entire album being a, a minute 27, I don't know, a minute 28 seconds, how the fuck are you going to know? So yeah, the, the, the page I'm looking at here, uh, the longest song looks to be about a minute and 33 seconds. And that is let's live fast. Die young. Um, could just, could just be misprint. I'm looking at the wiki page right now. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm I'm not even gonna wait to get to the fucking end, dude. I I, I love everything about this album. I'm um, I'm just gonna say it. I there's no bad songs on here. Everything is like perfect to me. Yeah, I mean, me too. Uh, that that's actually what I was gonna say. Is I think this might be the perfect punk album. I don't want to say the word perfect, but it is damn close. Um, so again, previous podcasts I was talking about like I got like a top five. This is my top five. Um. This along with that uh, fresh fruit fried and vegetables, um, both are my top five. This is one. This is one of the quintessential albums that, again, if someone never heard punk before and said, "Hey, man, what's punk like?" I would take this album, hand to them, and say, "Spend the next fifteen minutes of your life and listen to it." Yeah, just go listen to it. That that there, that's punk. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, hard to deny. Um. Any any ones that you just really enjoyed in this album, more than any others? Uh, probably my favorite song on the album is "Paid Vacation." Hence, why I referenced it at the beginning of the the episode. But you know, deny everything, like you said. Uh, I just want some skank. Beverly Hills Operation. You know, I could just go on and on. Uh, there's there is something cool about every track. It's just I think "Paid Vacation." Part of it too is because how you know prescient that seems considering we still have combat forces in Afghanistan and this was released in 1980 when it was the Soviet Union who had just stuck their arm in that fucking meat grinder um, but this is talking about the US and it's like this ain't Vietnam you know and I was just like fucking A dude so yeah um, seriously everything on here uh, everything on here I, I is amazing. I don't have a song I dislike. Live Fast, Die Young, the, the title track group sex is fucking amazing. Um, uh, don't Care is a good one. Uh, World Up My Ass got stuck with me for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I just, I always remembered like that one being, because it felt like when Keith is singing it, like he's doing such a, like he's almost mocking himself when he does it. Because it's like he's drawing out the words. Yeah. And I, I don't know if he's doing that on purpose, but it's just like I, I enjoy this for some reason. Uh, Back Against the Wall was amazing. Um, Deny Everything was... The first time I heard this album, I was like, wait, that was a fucking song? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, wait, you're, that's not that's a song that's not just the intro piece? Holy shit. Um, uh, Red Tape is a good one, man. Like I said, everything on here, it, it, it checks mark, check marks everything for me. So, do you, uh, do you want to keep talking about it or do you want to move to grading? Cause... No, let's just grade it and then we'll move on to the second album. <laughs> cool. Um <laughs> Musically A plus, and from a punk album A plus. There we go. That's that's my answer. Yep, uh, this is an A plus. Um, again, uh, I don't know that it is the perfect punk album, but it would have to be in, in the talk of what one is, just because it comes in and punches you right in the mouth and and then walks out the door while you're still recovering. So, much like every punk show I've ever been to. all right so now we move to their second album 
which is Wild in the Streets, released on March 4th of 1982. Runtime of 25 minutes and 37 seconds, so a, a whole another 10 minutes and some change. Um, only one more track, though. 15 tracks. The lineup is going to sound eerily familiar to you. Keith Morris on lead vocals, Greg Hetson on guitars and backing vocals, Roger Rogerson on bass, and Lucky Leher on drums. What do you think about this one, man? Uh, before we get into this, just a quick little aside, because this is on the cover. Um, so the cover of this one is a bunch of punk kids walking across the street, and the band is in black and white interposed throughout. And there's also someone from another band you might know. We might get to them on this, on this podcast. I hope we do. Um, but Mike Ness of Social Distortion is in this uh, um, collage of people as well. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, for those on who Mike Ness is, you need to look him up because Social Distortion is another band, which I hope we will get to eventually. Um, this album, um, I liked it. I didn't like it as much as uh, Group Sex, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, they slowed things down a little bit, which is, I think, both good and bad thing. It kind of shows them, I feel like, progressing a little bit better as musicians. Um, but I feel like some of the songs were kind of just remakes of the previous one. Like Stars and Stripes really felt a lot like paid vacation to me. Um, at least that's, that's what I got from it. Um, but the title track, Wild in the Streets, was just amazing. Um, that's probably one of my favorite songs by them. Even though I prefer the first album overall, I feel like Wild in the Streets is one of my favorite ones. Um, Political Stew is another one I really enjoyed. Letter Bomb was pretty awesome. Um, Murder the Disturbed gets stuck in my head. I can't ever get it out. And let's just talk about the uh, the cover that's on this one. So it seems like every other week, uh, the bands we've talked about so far have had some kind of cover song. And the very first podcast we did, I had mentioned that when a punk band covers a song, it's either really fucking good and amazing, or it's bad, they know it's bad, and they're doing it anyway for, to, just to kind of make fun of it. Um, put a little love in your heart felt like they were making fun of the song um then you might disagree with me but that's what it felt like to me um i think that they were taking a piss with it but i also kind of felt that it was sincere which is kind of an odd thing to say so i don't know that they were so yeah i guess they were kind of making fun of it but i also think they meant it and it also should be noted that that is the third of three cover songs on this album because the title track wild in the streets is a is a cover song and um, Just Like Me is also a cover song. So this album had more of a... I had mentioned before that some bands have like a 1950s vibe. This one had almost more of like a 60s vibe to it. And when I heard Just Like Me, I did not know it was a cover song. Um, the first time I heard it. And it's funny because listen, if you listen back to it now, the lyrics in it, you're like, yeah, I can definitely feel like that's... Uh, that was 20 years prior to this band coming out. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, was, it was still a good album, man. I still liked it. Uh, didn't like it as much, but I kind of feel like things were a little more tongue-in-cheek on this album. So it was a little bit more intelligent, if you will. 
it was definitely a a much different vibe um some of the aggression is gone and i i don't want to overstate that because it is only 10 minutes longer which I, granted is like over 50 percent more than the the previous album but there's touching in a lot of the same lyrical places with 86 gone good is gone and stars and stripes and letter bomb and moral majority and political stew that was just a few covers thrown in there uh, but it feels for those of you who don't know black flag got there to start playing house parties and stuff because they just couldn't play anywhere else and this to me kind of has that vibe this feels like something that may have been at a house party granted one with a a very punk influence but you know um, as a, a guy who was in a band who played some of the parties that we used to throw out at the house and we were a metal band fast and aggressive and yeah, this, this kind of reminded me of that. Um, I do think that it has a slower pace to your point. Again, I don't want to overplay that, but there are places in this album where Keith Morris's limitations as a singer show up, which was not the case when he was just doing the, a little more aggressive shouty thing. There are some places here where he attempts to really sing like a singer and as opposed to a vocalist and with mixed results. Sometimes it's pretty cool. Sometimes he's a little flat, a little off key. Um, no, no big deal, but it does just show some of the limitations. Um, but to, to allude to something you said, I do feel that the, it shows that the band, because they have slowed things down and it's not just records and a pile of dust kind of thing, that they are stretching out a little bit more musically and being more involved. Um, so I would agree that it's not as good as the first album. Um, it does have some flaws, but it's still a damn fine album. Usually when I tell people about this band, <clears throat> and again, a lot of people for some reason, just unless you're really into this music, you you may not have heard of them before. <clears throat> um, usually when I introduce them to people, I try to introduce both these albums at the same time, simply because the first one is only 15 fucking minutes long, but because I like to show them that, hey, this band's capable of doing more than just one kind of thing, even though it may not be quite as good as you might expect it to be. Um, they're capable of doing just like the hard, super fast, aggressive, and they're able to slow it down a little bit as well. Um, but definitely if i had to tell someone to, to pick just one or the other it would definitely be the first album yeah yeah if i was going to if i had to choose one it would be the first album that's for sure but i like the other one too and honestly to me both they're classics in their own right um i every every time i hear someone mention circle jerks it's it, it's a song from one of these two albums i mean they had other ones too but this is these are the two I always hear come up the most so um take that for what is this but um, no, this aside from a few flaws, this is not a bad album. I still would recommend it to somebody. I'd still, if you don't have this in your collection, I'd still say, hey, if you're a fan of this music, you might want to get this one too. Yeah, especially if you are into the hardcore punk thing, because this is definitely more on the hardcore side. Yeah, I uh, and as I've as I've said before, I'm definitely more into hardcore punk than I am just uh, slower down punk. But that's that's neither here nor there. Um, but if you are in that more aggressive style of punk music, this is definitely going to be up your alley. Oh, yeah. Well, um, do you want to talk any more about any of the particular songs, or are you ready to grade? 
I'm ready to create if you are. Yeah, I'm ready. Um, I think I'm going to go with an A- minus for this one. I still think it's a really good album. I really do think it's one that should be in your collection if you are a fan of this genre of music. But I do think that the, the shortcomings are enough to knock it down from the previous record. That's fair. Um, so with my two again, musically, uh, A+, plus because this, even though they are a, a I don't want to say stereotype punk band, but a typical punk band, everything felt on point. And just like the first album, they bring it. So music from a music standpoint, yes, A+. Plus. From a, just a band perspective on how I felt about it, I'm, I, it's hard for me to give this specific answer because I'm stuck between a B plus and an A minus. Um, I would err on the side of A minus, but I also want to kind of give it a B plus as well. Um, so I kind of, I'm going to leave that up in the air and linger in limbo. Uh, just because I don't really know where to put it. Um, and I don't like making a decision on that. So somewhere between a B plus and A minus is where I fluctuate overall on this album. I'm blindness. I'm blindness, yes. I consider it a B plus for it myself. Um, but honestly, you know, I, th I think that is overcorrecting too much from the first album since I, we went back and listened to these in the same week to, to do this double shot podcast. And I, I really did think I was charging it too hushly by harshly, I should say, not hushly by how good I considered the first album, because I think, you know, this came out two years later, if we had done one, one week and then done an album in between them and come back to it, I really do think I would have just given it an A minus and not really thought about it. So I decided not to penalize it too much in comparison to the first and that's right i mean i don't i don't really want to give it i don't want to lessen it um i just i i enjoy this band too much to be like no this album sucked uh because it didn't it, it was far from that um part of the reason i'm fluctuating too is it's it's better than just okay um i don't think it's a perfect punk album but Again, that's why I have my little two-grade system here because I feel like they're better musicians on this go-around, but I feel like they've kind of lost a little bit of that spark uh, from the first album, and I that might be on purpose. That might just be because they want to try something new. Who knows? Um, but that's kind of where my fluctuation lies. Um, the heart says give it an A-, the brain says B+. And that's, that's how I'll leave my – I'll leave it with that. All right, man. Sounds good to me. I also wonder how much the change in sound, as much as there was one, because again, I don't want to overstate it, comes with the fact that essentially a third of the tracks on the first album were co-written by Greg Ginn. That's not the case on this album. And I wonder if you're seeing an outcropping of that in the stylistic shift to slower tracks. Not a lot slower, mind you, but more fully fledged out songs that you would recognize in a radio format than what was on the previous album. 
Yeah, um, I'm, I'm wondering how much production has to do with that as well. Um, I really do, because a lot of times when you have bands that'll have a more raw sound, but then they maybe on the next album or album after that, they're almost radio friendly in a way. Um, I just wonder how how you know how many producers get in there, get their hands on it, and go, "Hey, man, why don't you do this? Why don't you slow this down? Why don't you change the lyric just a little bit?" Uh, and again, it's that spark that I was talking about. Like, it's just, it's almost like it's not there. Like they were trying to get to it and just something kept them from, from having it. Um, and I think a lot of it too, man. And, and this might be weird, but with a name like circle jerks, I would expect it to be kind of like frenzy and kind of crude and kind of just, that raw feel to it. And I, that might be part of why um, I didn't enjoy it as quite as much. Um, mm -hmm. I know we talk about name changes a lot too, but I almost wonder if they had changed the name of their band, if we would have had a different expectation. That's very interesting because with me, with the name, the circle jerks and the name of the albums, including their third one, like, which is um, golden shower of hits. I expect it to be much more tongue in cheek than what they are crude in their humor than what they actually are. You know, I, I almost expect everything to just be some wacko sex joke song, um, you know, or songs about almost more of a Gigi Allen kind of thing than what we necessarily, the circle jerks actually are. Um, so that's, that's very interesting. And we may we might talk about the third album we might not but i i remember their third album being a little more on the aggressive side too so that might be i might be having flashbacks to remembering that and thinking well the third one was kind of like the first one maybe that's again it's it's new here or there at this point but i'm i'm wondering if that might have something that's going on in the back of my head yeah maybe but no uh honestly man this is still a good album um if you liked if you only if you never heard of this band, check out the first album for sure. If you like it, still give this one a listen to. It's still worth it. It's still good. Um, I would I would say if you're really if you find yourself getting into this band, definitely get both of these albums if you have the money. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do think that uh, especially group sex because group sex is not on most of the streaming services uh, services you will want to try and track down a physical copy of that one if you can um and i was actually i found mine on youtube because it's been a long time since i was able to hear the album and the only time i ever heard it was on cassette and record i never heard it on cd um so it was hard for me to find that and lo and behold there's like 20 people on youtube that are punk fans that uploaded the entire group sex album so yeah yeah, I mean, that's how I listen to it too. I don't know if they're actually. I would assume that they were popular enough that it did get a CD pressing, but I honestly don't know whether it did or not. I don't either, and that's something that I want to look into. But I, again, it it is what it is. Um, however, you find it, man, definitely give it a listen to. Um, so, what are we doing next time, man? Next time, we are going to dance with someone uh someone in a graveyard someone who about to say whitney houston what someone who might be very familiar to us or maybe not 
as I'm sure we've all had some kind of loss in our life and we've all had that brush with a certain literary figure who we like to personify as a skeleton in a death shroud carrying a scythe. Indeed. That kind of dance. Well, we'll be dancing with the dead in our dreams the next time. Once. And while, while we'll be dancing, we'll be listening to a certain sound, a true sound, if you will. True sound of liberty, I think. <laughs> if you haven't figured out yet, we're doing a TSOL's Dance With Me, so there we go. That's what we're doing next. Uh, and I just checked, and Group Sex was issued on CD. And uh, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next side with TSOL. Take care, goodbye, and remember, always use protection when you have group sex. Or when you're circle jerking. Or when you're circle jerking. <laughs> Later.